Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Chapter 11 of Cutlass and Cudgel. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Anne Boulay. Cutlass and Cudgel by George Manville Fenn. Chapter 11 A feeling of misery that he could not have explained came over Archie Raystoke as he grasped the position, and he wished that he had never undertaken the task he had in hand. For it seemed so shocking that the noble-looking lady and gentleman he had seen that day should be in league with a gang of smugglers, and have lent their out-of-the-way house to be a depository for the contraband goods. Oh, it's impossible, he said to himself. They could not. The scoundrels have hidden the thing somewhere in the wood up by the house, thinking that nobody would come in there to search. That artful rascal, said Archie to himself, feeling better now that he had put this interpretation upon the proceedings. And, knowing his way better now, and thinking of the dog the while, he hurried on, and had nearly reached the house, meaning to hide somewhere among the abundant shrubs which surrounded it till the smugglers had passed, when all doubt as to the party being those he was tracking was chased away by his hearing a voice just before him say, All right, father, here they come. Archie stopped short as he felt his position. The farmer and his son had come up here and were waiting for the men to act as carriers. What shall I do? he asked himself for he was between two parties, and a step might mean discovery. In fact, if the last speaker had taken a step forward, he must have detected the spy's presence. There was no time for thought. Archie stood for a moment or two as if paralyzed. Then, as he heard the farmer's gruff voice, he dropped down and began to crawl among the bushes. Been a long time coming. Here, go in and get the lanterns now. At that moment, Archie was brought up by a wall, over which he passed his hands, to find that he was directly after touching iron bars close to the ground. It was some building, and then, as he crouched there, he was conscious of a peculiar odor, which told him not only that this was a cellar, but one in which brandy was stored. Again, he felt a strange sensation of misery. He had accidentally hit upon the place where the cargo had been hidden, and it must be in the cellar of the hose and not in the wood. He wished he had not made the discovery now and felt ready for retreat, for it would be horrible to have to tell the lieutenant, giving him such information as would lead to the arrest of the tall, careworn man who had impressed him so strangely that day. 
All at once he was conscious of a gleam of light, following a faint noise, and right before him he saw the fluttering blue flame of a brimstone match, which blue began to turn yellow and illumine the face of the boy who had been a prisoner, and two great stacks of kegs and bales, reaching nearly from floor to ceiling of a low vault. The light shone out through the grated window, by which he was on hands and knees, and feeling that he would be at once recognized if his face was seen, he crept on under the wall a few yards and lay flat listening, as he wished that there was time for him to get down to the cliff and signal for help to capture the smugglers and their store. An impossibility, he knew, for the cargo might be all gone long before he could reach the cutter, even if a boat were waiting, beside which he felt that he did not want to tell all he had seen, for if he did, what would follow with respect to those he had spoken with that day? Now, my lads, in with you, cried a familiar voice. Load up carefully when you get down to the carts, and we shall get all snug before daylight. A murmur of acquiescence followed, and they began to tramp very close to where the midshipmen lay, expecting every moment to be seen. He crouched down as low as he could, not daring to raise even his head, and wondering whether the bright hilt of his dirk would show, and he thrust it farther into his breast. Then he wondered whether he could back softly away, but that was impossible, for the light came from behind him, through the grated window, while escape forward was impossible, as he was close to a door through which shadowy forms were passing in. There was nothing for it but to lie still, and trust to his not being seen, when the next minutes were made agreeable for a host of recollections, regarding the treatment received by those who betrayed the smugglers, of the desperate fights there had been, how many had been killed, and a shudder ran through the lad as he recalled the story of a man who had played the spy, somewhere about the south coast, being thrown from a cliff and literally smashed. They'll see me, I know they'll see me, thought Archie, but I'm a king's officer, young as I am, and I'll show them I can fight for my life like a man. As this thought struck him, his hand went voluntarily to his side to get a good grip of and draw his dirk. The movement betrayed him, for before he could quite realize that his dirk was hidden in his breast, he was seized by two great muscular hands, dragged into a standing position, and he could dimly see a face peering into his, as a voice, which he recognized as the farmer's, growled savagely, "'Who's this?' Before he could struggle or answer, the man went on fiercely. Why, you lazy, shuffling young villain, sit there and sulk while the others do the work, would you? Come on! Before the midshipman could recover from his surprise, he felt himself run forward by the two hands which had been dropped on his shoulders, thrust through the door, the farmer whispering savagely, Work or I'll break your neck! And giving him a fierce push and a kick, which drove him along the passage, where on his left was the open doorway into the dimly lit cellar. So great was the impetus given, that but for a desperate effort to keep his feet, and a bound or two, the lad would have gone down upon his face. As it was, the actual first leap took him level with the door of the cellar, the second right onto a flight of steps beyond in the darkness, and as he stood panting there, he realized the meaning of the old smuggler's mistake, for he had forgotten that he was roughly dressed as a sailor boy and had a red worsted tasseled cap, 
well drawn down over his besmirched face. As Archie stood there in the darkness, at the foot of the stair which he knew must lead up into the house, he looked back to see a man come out of the cellar, his figure just dimly seen by the light from within and below, and over the man's shoulders were swung a couple of kegs. Archie held his breath, and felt that in all probability the farmer had contented himself with driving him into work, for he made no further movement, and the coming out of this man, and another who followed directly, completely reassured him. It was evident, too, that they did not know of his presence, and with his heart beating with hopes of escape, as he more and more understood that he had been taken for one of the boys of the gang, he backed softly up the steps more and more into the darkness, till further progress was stayed by a door. Here he stopped, panting and holding his hand upon his throbbing heart, then feeling that he would be seen directly if a lanthorn was brought into the passage. He pressed the lock. It yielded, and he stepped softly onto a stone floor. Here all was blacker than before, but it was a haven of refuge, and he passed in and softly closed the door behind him to stand listening. All was still as death, and he began to 